dealing with oaths and vows. Before I do that, I just want to back up and do a little review on the Ten Commandments and the reason I got to thinking about it, no greater resource to the Christian than the Ten Commandments. No perhaps more important resource to the Christian than the Ten Commandments. Something we should keep in our minds and have at our fingertips as far as just to remind us, okay, I'm facing with this. What is God? To, and then you can go, if nothing else, you can come back to the materials and see, okay, what is it that this commandment taught? And you can look at the catechism questions, which will help you. So my little one words uh, that, that I've assigned, if you have a different word, that's fine. But for in here, I want you to, uh, to use mine. So our Ten Commandments. First one is, you're to have no other gods before the true God. And our word for that is our what? Our focus. Our focus. Constantly. Our focus. No other gods. No other gods at all. Constantly. Aware that God is to be our focus. Second commandment, not making any graven images, deals with our our worship. Our worship. Okay? Our worship. Third commandment, not to take the Lord's name in vain, deals with our attitude. attitude. Good. Reverence, attitude. Uh, Fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We've just heard a sermon on that, but, uh, and, and we believe that it still applies. Uh, deals with our time. Good. Deals with our time. All of our time. Because it also deals with the six days that we're to labor. All of our time. Fifth commandment. Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. Deals with our Our relationships. All of our relationships, not just husband and wife, not just parent, child, child, parent, every relationship you're engaged in is covered by the fifth commandment. Sixth commandment, we're not to kill, deals with life, deals with life and everything about it. You remember just words you say that hurt? Maybe you've taken a little bit of somebody's life with your tongue. It doesn't take a knife or a gun or some weapon. Our tongues can become vicious tools to destroy a life. All right? Seventh commandment, we're not to commit adultery, deals with purity. purity. Deals with purity. How we live before the Lord. Eighth commandment, we're not to steal, deals with property. property. Deals with property. Good. Bob, you're helping me move this thing along. (laughs) Deals with property. Ninth commandment, we're not to bear false witness, deals with truth. (laughs) All right. And, And you better get that one because that's what the chapter we're working on deals with. All right. And the 10th commandment, we're not to covet, deals with 
contentment. Contentment with what God's given us. Right? So just keep those, or again, if you've got words you want to use, but something handy. Because you say, oh, yeah, this deals with, hmm, I'm, I'm faced with this. What commandments? What commandments uh, come into play here? Right? Good. All right. One other reminder. Uh, we'll finish up 22 today, Lord willing. Uh, chapter 23, the material, if you don't have it, is in the little library back here on the, on the uh, counter against the outside wall. So make sure you get that uh, next week, Lord willing. We'll start with the civil magistrate. Very uh, interesting, very difficult at times, can be. So trust it'll be beneficial and useful. All right. Chapter 22, uh, oaths and vows, and again, relates to our truthfulness and deals with our, our truthfulness even apart from oaths and vows. But with an oath and a vow, we are giving an emphasis to the truth that we are espousing, all right, that we are advocating or the promise that we are promising. It calls attention to it. it we, we heighten the, uh, the, the, the uh, solemnity of the situation. We are to be truthful, period, without an oath and a vow. In, a heaven, in heaven, there'll be no need for oaths and vows. Or we will be perfect, and in that perfection, we will be given to always speak the truth. But, in this life, we have the impact and effect of sin, even in our own life, to deal with. Oaths between man and man, but in the, the vows between man and God, in both we're calling God into the, the situation, into the matter, to be a witness or to be a party. And in both cases, to judge if we don't speak the truth or if we don't perform that which we promise, we are asking God to judge us, to deal with it, right? Serious, very serious. Because God knows our heart. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything about us. He knows what we're going to say and do. He knows how we keep the Lord's day. He'll know how we keep this day. He'll know how we worship today. Knows it all. And we are calling him with the vow, with the oath, to come and to judge if we have misspoken. Right? And what that may look like, we considered some, with some of the proof texts we've, we've seen, uh, everything from withdrawing his presence, hindering our prayers, Old Testament, even to the matter of death. Serious. So, let's make sure the truthfulness we take seriously and with oaths and vows, certainly, perhaps even more seriously, if I can put it that way. All right, 22.6, page 604 in the material. 
deals with to, who we, to whom we are making our vow. We're, we're dealing with vows now and, and how we make them. And let me just quickly read the paragraph. It is not to be made, that is a vow, is not to be made to any creature but to God alone. And that it may be accepted, it is to be made voluntarily, out of faith, conscience of duty, in way of thankfulness for mercy received, or for the obtaining of what we want, whereby we more strictly bind ourselves. There's that saloon. We're calling attention to it. We more strictly bind ourselves to necessary duties or to other things so far and so long as they may fitly conduce thereunto. Okay? So our questions, number one, to whom are we to vow? And obviously we've answered that. We've talked about it several times. Vows are to God only. To God only. But that's not necessarily that they're to God only just in your secret place. Quite frequently, vows are made to God. Maybe sometime we think they're made to one another. But they're made to God in somebody's presence perhaps to influence them or to have them rely upon what we are saying. And we'll talk about situations in just a minute that that may come into play. So, vows to God only. Second question, can a vow to God be made as to earthly matters? Right? Can a vow to God... Be made as to earthly matters. How many say yes? How many say no? All right. I think the yes, the the, the yes carried it. All two of you. Um, but um, sure, sure. In fact, the examples. One of your proof texts. What about Hannah? Okay. What about Hannah? With Samuel. Certainly an earthly matter. Lord, if you'll hear my prayer and give me a child, I promise the child will be yours from its earliest days. No? And perhaps some of us have prayed that prayer. Lord, if you'll give me a child, if you'll give me children, I'll do all that by your grace and help you help me to raise them to be your servants. In fact, as Christians, I would suggest to you that in bringing children into the world, you've made that vow, whether you've ever uttered it or thought it or not. It's kind of like your salvation we talked about last week. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you've made a vow to then live a life, a vow to God, to live a life that is reflective of that new nature, that new life that God's given you. And as we talked about, it's not a, a part of getting that. It's after. Once we're saved, God doesn't save you because you made a vow. God saves you because he loved you. And in his grace and mercy showed you favor and gave you life. But when you said yes, 
by faith, I want to embrace Christ as my Savior, then there is that commitment to then live as God. Hopefully, there is that desire that it comes from your heart out of gratitude, just what we just read, out of thankfulness. What do I render to the Lord for all his benefits? I'll pay my vows. Right? I'll pay my vows. So we've got, and, and let's just talk about some of the, the areas where we make vows to God that impact earthly matters. One, we, we talk about, one the most perhaps comes to mind almost automatically because we talk about uh, vows in, in connection with this activity. What would you, or if you've got some idea that you think people, or maybe you, I'm not asking you to say, yeah, I made this vow, but what uh, relationships or situations? Jack? Marriage vows? Vows, marriage vows. Sure. We talk about marriage vows. Now, when we talk about that, I don't know about you, but a lot of times my inclination, well, it's vowing one to the other. But we can't vow one to the other. Vows are made to God alone. But situation here where we may have in the marriage, and I think we do have, a coupling of an oath and a vow. The oath is what we say to one another. Our commitment to one another. If you marry me, before God as my witness, I commit to you to love you and to care for you and to be faithful to you and so forth. And then we vow to God. God, I promise that in this marriage, this is what I will do. Now, we're calling God to be witness and to judge when we do that in both situations, depending on what part he has in it. But we also, with the marriage, call people and call the church to be witnesses, don't we? I mean, we use words in, these, in the ceremony. The minister, if it's a Christian wedding, the minister will use words. You know, before God, before these witnesses, and it's done in the church, before the church, you're making these vows and this oath. And in, to that, to the extent, obviously, we can hear what is being said, and we can see how that plays out, then it becomes perhaps incumbent upon us certainly to pray that God will help them fulfill their oaths and vows. And number two, to encourage. Number three would be to say something if we see things aren't right. Okay? But I think also the parties to the transaction, if they think 
You stop and think, I vowed to God. I ask God to judge me if I don't keep my promise. I gave an oath. And I ask God to be a witness to that oath and to judge me if it's not true, if I don't hold myself to it. And we saw last week, week before, I think I mentioned when Saul killed the Gibeonites and God judged him for it because Joshua... When the children of Israel were coming into the land, Joshua promised, remember the deception? And Joshua said, okay, we, we won't harm you. Now, they deceived him because they didn't come from miles away. They came from a few miles away, 10, 15 miles away is all they were from, the trans, from, from Jericho. But they came and they deceived him. But when they started taking the land... Joshua, uh-uh, I committed to these people, and even though they deceived me, I'm gonna, we're going to honor our word because we gave our word. God, years later, when Saul didn't keep that same word, God judged him. God judged him for it. Okay? Years later... And we don't keep our word relative to that marriage relationship. No? Or to any other situation that we vow. So we've got marriage. And we'll talk about marriage more when we get to chapter 24. Uh, civil magistrates next, and then marriage is next after that. Uh, but uh, marriage is one. What else? I've mentioned Hannah, so children would be another one that we've mentioned, we've talked about. You know, Paul, is that... Yes, yes, good, good. Uh, and, and again, that oath or that vow in connection with an infant baptism or the dedication, and we do both here, um, but where the, the parents commit and the church commits, all right? Now, what does that mean to us? Practically, that means... That if you and I, as members of the church that committed to pray for this child and, this, and these parents, if we don't, we've broken our vow. See, see how important this chapter is? There are things that we do with routine that sometimes we just don't think of how serious we don't think about the relationship with God and the seriousness of the, the matter as it relates to what we've said. What else? What about Christian service? Lord, if, then I will. No? Christian service. And then... All of a sudden, the grass gets a little greener on the other side of the fence. Money comes along, power, position, whatever. And we forget that vow that we made to the Lord. Business, Lord, if you'll prosper my business, 
I'm doing this because I want to serve you with the gifts and the talents you've given me. And if you will prosper me in this business, then I will. And God prospers and all of a sudden we want to grow the business so our commitment to give God half of everything we make out of the business, ah, but I need to use it to get bigger. Okay? And we soon forget. Aren't you glad we have a merciful God? When you consider things like this, it helps you appreciate and remember that we have a God that's so gracious and kind, long-suffering, patient with us, because we fail. Even when we vow to God himself, we fail. Helps us also realize just how serious our enemy takes his warfare against us and against our Savior. To destroy, to destroy, to destroy that which is good and right. To destroy. And then the last thing I have down is, is health. Lord, if you will heal me, then I will. Lord, if you'll give me strength, then I will. No? And, uh, you know, again, we just need to be mindful. The Lord heals, and all of a sudden we're off going about what we desire, which may not be wrong in and of itself. I'm not saying that in these situations everything that we go and do is wrong. What makes it wrong is if it interferes with the vow. If we fail, then to keep our vow, then it becomes wrong in the sense that it may be that which is coming into play to keep us from keeping our vow. All right. So, like, and, and you may think of others. And I, I, let me just mention, uh, ch children, uh, I just, we talked about the commandments and one of the reasons I did this. With the children, there's the fifth commandment. Right? With service, you're dealing, I think, particularly with commandments one through four. Certainly one through three. One through four. You could put them all in there because they all can come into play in various ways. That is your service to the Lord. Uh, as to business, you've got commandments five through ten. Everything from relationships to not taking your employees' lives by overworking them, by uh, how you deal with them, how you deal with the public. You've got uh, purity in, in, in your dealings. You've got um, theft. You've got uh, property matters, unjust balances, overcharging, just because I want to make a pile of money in a hurry. You know, the, in coveting, um, uh, false witness can come into play. So you've got those health, uh, the Sixth Commandment in particular, because there are obligations there as to you and your health as well as how you may impact somebody else's health. So, just to tie some of that together. Third question, if we fail 
to keep our vow, what are we doing? We're breaking our promise to God. And then I want to call attention to all the things that that paragraph talks about, how this vow has to be made in order to be accepted of God, right? To be acceptable to God. It talks about being made voluntarily. Now, I will suggest to you that voluntarily does not come into play relative to your Christian life. There is no, I'll serve God or I'll keep, I'll do the duties he requires of me, I'll obey his word. There's no voluntary there. That's mandatory. Right? Again, hopefully, it's what we want to do. But whether you want to do it or not, it's what God requires of you. Be holy, for I am holy. Right? Voluntarily. You don't, you don't have to vow as a rule. But if you do, take it seriously. Has to be out of faith. Faith. Where's faith come in? How, how does faith come into play here? What do you think? How, would, how does faith, what, what do you, I mean, you're vowing, so you're making this, the comment. Paul? It's probably something you can't, you can't do in our own strength. So it's Good. Yeah, yeah we, we dealt with that some when we were doing the Lord's Prayer, I think, if I remember correctly. But exactly, Paul mentioned, we can't do it in our own strength. You don't control your health. You don't control your mind. You don't control your job. I mean, you could lose those things. You know, you could be in a wreck that could change everything. All kinds of things. They come into play here. So you are, as you vow, it's in faith that God will, by his grace, help you to fulfill that. Even our own heart. Even spiritually. Even uh, to, to, to carry it out and fulfill it is beyond us. Realizing just how weak we are. We need God's help. That's why it's so important for us daily to ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. To fulfill our vows. Remember the verse? I'll fulfill my vows daily. Daily. You got something to do every day in serving the Lord, certainly. But perhaps in a, a promise you made to someone to remember it, to have the strength or the ability, financial, whatever it is, to do it. Part of what we're expected to do. Faith responsibly, responsibly. Um, Voluntarily out of faith and conscience of duty is the phrase in the paragraph. Conscience of duty. We, we've given thought to this. Please, don't make vows or oaths irrationally. We shouldn't even speak. Because again, the obligation to be truthful doesn't change. We don't have to do an oath or a vow to be responsible to speak the truth. 
But if we're going to vow, particularly, if you're going to promise God this is what you are going to do, you better have given thought to it. What does this, what does this entail? What am I obligating myself to? Go back to any of those situations we talked about. Marriage. What am I obligating myself to? I'm promising God. Am I ready for this? Okay. Because I'm going to ask God to judge me, even if I'm not ready for it, if I just messed up, I'm still asking God to judge me. Okay? And any of the others. And again, the, 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 the hard part here is we almost know going in we're going to mess up. Somewhere along the way, our, our own heart is going to deceive us, betray us. So it's so critical to, to know how much we depend on God to do this. But think about what we're doing in way of thankfulness, thankfulness, a response to the benefits we receive at God's hand. Thankfulness. For mercy received and then or for the obtaining of what we want. Okay? That Hannah with the child. All right? There's a good illustration. Uh, Jacob, one of our proof texts was Genesis 28. There at the bottom of 604, Jacob vowed a vow. God, if, if you'll protect me and you'll keep me, if you'll spare my life, then I promise there'll be a worship. I'll, I'll do that to mark it. We talked a little bit about um, New Testament, Paul, uh, the vows, and, and the shaving of his head, the Nazarite vow, that they would let their hair grow. When they had fulfilled their vow, they would shave their head to mark. And to, to say, I, I've done what I vowed. But their hair growing was a physical reminder to them. Right? Daily. And we, we, I did the, the little blue ribbon thing. There was a blue ribbon in the garment of the people. Right? And every time they took a step, that blue ribbon was out there. They could see it. Right? The blue ribbon was out there for them to see, to remind them, I belong to the Lord. I belong to the Lord. And I have an obligation before the Lord to do that which is what a, a good Israelite, a good child of God, as it were, would do. Right? So that reminder... That we have. And then. The more strictly to bind ourselves. To necessary duties. So now I vowed. I have made this commitment. To make it more difficult for me. To break my word. Right. We're dealing with oaths and vows, a chapter in the confession and, and truthfulness. But this is where an oath 
is between your promise with another person calling God to be a witness and to be a judge. Your vow is asking God. It's a promise to God. It's bringing him directly into the matter and asking him to judge you if you break your word to him. Right? And how that impacts, and even as a Christian, the vow to live for the Lord. Right? So when you don't live for the Lord, when you don't make use of his word, when you don't pray, certainly there's an impact. I'm breaking my word to the Lord. Not only am I breaking it, I'm asking him to judge me for it. Okay? Truthfulness, oaths, and vows. All right. I'm going to finish this so y'all can look at your proof text. 22.7 deals with wrong vows. Okay? 22.7, look at it with me. No man, I'm on page 606. For those that don't have it, just listen up. I'm going to read the, the paragraph in the Confession of Faith. It's paragraph 22.7. No man may vow to do anything forbidden in the word of God. Because again, this is a promise to God. So you're going to promise God. Now, this is going to sound extreme, right? You're going to promise God that you're going to kill somebody. Pretty extreme, isn't it? You've got that illustration in the New Testament. Okay? Anybody think of what it might what have been? The Jews vowed to kill Saul, kill Paul. Kill Paul, exactly. They vowed that they would kill him, I think before the sun went down or before the day was out or something like that. They vowed to kill. That's not a proper vow. You can't vow to do anything forbidden in the word of God or what would hinder any duty therein commanded. Now that one, that one gets tougher, doesn't it? Because sometimes we can get overly zealous. And we can vow, promise God, I'm going to oppose error no matter who and what. Okay? Think that would be a good vow to make? Remember when we talked about truthfulness, bearing false witness, how we deal with one another? And sometimes speaking the truth out there isn't right. It's not honoring to God. You may be destroying a person, their reputation, their career, whatever it is, for no good reason. Nothing wrong with going to the person. And you understand when you stop and think about it, if, because the other thing is, sometimes what we think is the truth, what we 
sincerely believe is the truth. We just didn't have all the facts. And now we vow to God that we're going to speak the truth as we know it. And sometimes it's much better to be silent. To be careful with what we say and who we say and who we talk about. Remember, anytime you're talking about a fellow believer, no matter how right or wrong they are, they're part of your family in the Lord. And you have an obligation. For, ah, what commandment? Ah, now, when I'm dealing with this person, what commandment? Fifth commandment. Ninth commandment. My duty to protect and preserve their reputation. To help to further their good. Serious matter. What would hinder any duty therein commanded? Or which is not in his own power, that is your own, if you're making a vow, and you don't have the power, I promise I'm going to pay off all your debt. Now, if you don't have two nickels to rub together, you better not vow to do that. Okay? It's simple matter. But again, it's thinking. Irrational. Oh, I'm going to help you get out of debt. How are you going to do that? When you're pretty much in the same boat, maybe it's not quite as much water in the boat yet sinking you. But uh, same thing. You got to be careful. Remember what we talked about being a guarantor on a debt for somebody? Better think about it. Because if you have to pay it as the guarantor because they didn't, and now it destroys you. Because if you gave your word, I'll pay this if they don't, You've got an obligation to pay. Now, what does that do to your ability then to, to do whatever before the Lord? Maybe to provide for your family. Maybe it destroys your business. See, see how important these things are? Just practically what we do in life, how we live, what we do. is not in his own power and for the performance whereof he hath no promise of ability from God. And of course, um, well, let me finish it out. In which respects popish monastical vows of perpetual single life, not getting married, profess poverty, I'm not going to accumulate anything, I'm not going to have anything, and regular obedience, that is surrendering your conscience to another. All right. All of those are things that are practiced in the Roman Catholic Church. Right? Never. And and they're required to make a vow to that end. It's wrong. It's wrong because scripture says not everybody vowing can't do it. A vow of poverty? God never asked for a vow of poverty. Never directed it be done for people in his ministry or whatever. It might be the reality sometimes of, of what happens, but certainly not what God demands. 
perpetual single life, professed poverty, and regular obedience are so far from being degrees of higher perfection. That is, this doesn't make you any more Christ-like. That they are superstitious and sinful snares in which no Christian may entangle himself. Okay? Now, practically, you know, I don't think any of you, Paul, do you have? Yeah, yeah, and, and keep in mind now, there's a big difference between what you undertake voluntarily to vow versus what I as a church command, demand you vow. So if we said, all right, if you're going to be a minister in the Free Presbyterian Church, you've got to vow to never be married. That obviously would be wrong. But, as, as Paul is pointing out here, if I'm going to, I feel the Lord calling me to the mission field, to an area that before the Lord, I'm not sure I could take a wife. Or a wife, the duties, and, and again, even those duties we've talked about, how that may impact it. But I may say, Lord, if you will let me serve you in this land, then I vow it's just going to be you and me. And, and maybe even asking for God's help in doing so. Difference between voluntary and mandatory. And, and the Roman Catholic Church doesn't give you a choice. Right? So, wrong vows. Our questions, what is our guide? We'll run through these real quick. Our guide for acceptable oaths and vows, God's word. That which is clearly stated and that which is implied. Our duties, for example, in relationships and so forth. And I want you to consider. Consider how truthfulness is embodied. The part it plays in our understanding the love of God and in turn our showing the love of God to one another. Truthfulness. Very important key. They're, 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 they're inherent in it. If, if, you, if you love me, remember? Uh, first, second, third John. If you love me, you'll do what? You'll keep my commandments. You'll be truthful. You'll keep your vows to me. If you love me. Okay? And, and once you start understanding that, now, take that and apply it 
like in the marriage relationship or in the parent-child relationship, children to parents. If you love me, you'll do what I ask you to do in the fifth commandment. If you love me, you will, by my help, strive to keep the seventh commandment. Okay? And then the ability to perform. Got to, to obey God's word, and you've got to consider your ability to perform. What must, number question number two, the end goal of any oath or vow, God's glory and the furtherance of his kingdom by word and deed. Because that's what our life is all about. Serving the Lord. Advancing his kingdom. And number three, what has man done to lessen the solemnity and the accountability of oaths and vows. Now again, don't, don't look at the world and don't look at the blatant sinners here. Yes, I mean, that's part of the question. But consider how it impacts you. We've removed references to God. All right? In the courtroom, I don't want to swear with God as my witness, because I don't believe in God. Okay. Do you solemnly affirm that you will tell the truth? Period. You know, a lot of good that does, because we're liars by nature. But so help me God, the part that we don't use anymore in most courtrooms is saying, with God as my witness and my judge, I'll tell the truth. Fearing that God could strike you dead on the stand if you didn't. Right? We've removed reference. We use terms and phrases in a common or cursing way. We hear that all the time, don't we? The Lord's name taken in vain. Uh, God's name taken in vain. Just common. And again. I hope you're careful with phrases. Know the meaning. Know the meaning. Don't get caught up in using words, phrases, initials that are taking the Lord's name in vain. You better know the meaning. God does. And if you use it, even though you don't know the meaning, ignorance of the law is no excuse. And then we make light of truthfulness. Sometimes we lie with impunity. No fear of the consequences. And sometimes we can, we can get caught up in that. Right? So be careful. Be careful. All right. Well, my time is all gone and then some. So we'll start with chapter 23. If you don't have it, get it. Just a reminder. Um, and uh, we'll start on that, Lord willing, next week. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your blessings and your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for telling us how it is that we can please you, the duties you require of us. Lord, not only telling us, but giving us your Holy Spirit to help us do them, to help us understand what we're to do and to help us understand what God's word says, and then the power to perform. Lord, forgive us. So many times we fail. 
We fail you. We fail one another. Lord, forgive us, we pray. Help us in our worship today. Bless our time in the services, Lord. Minister to our hearts. And may we honor and exalt thee in our praise and our worship, we ask. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.